Welcome to Not Too Late, the podcast that reminds you that it isn't too late to do that thing. I'm your host, Simone Turner, a presenter, actor, and marketer, sharing stories that I hope inspire you as much as they inspire me. Thank you to my gorgeous listeners, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. So I'm super excited and grateful to introduce today's guest. Jen Tostevin is a strategic psychotherapist and a fully registered and accredited clinical hypnotherapist. She runs a business called Genesis Psychotherapy and she helps people discover their innate strengths, absorb new ideas and bring about real change by teaching powerful strategies. She's also a registered nurse, a mother, an artist, a musician and so much more. And today Jen is here to share her incredible insights on challenging our mindset and our stories we tell ourselves, her inspiring story and some amazing advice. So hello, Jen, and welcome to the Not Too Late podcast. Hi, hi, Simone. Lovely to meet you again. And thanks so much for having me. No problem at all. So how's your day been so far? (laughs) Well, it's a public holiday here in Melbourne, and I have to say I'm very lucky. It started with a good coffee and a really good round of yoga. So (laughs) I have no complaints at all. It's beautiful. That sounds so perfect. Um, So I guess um, I'll tell people about like why I brought you on because I actually met Jen on plane and I'm (laughs) so grateful to be sitting next to her. And I was so excited because I just heard a little bit of her story and a little bit of things she'd done in her life. And I just had, yeah, you know how people just give you that energy. I just felt that straight away. And one thing that really did stand out for me is that, you know, you followed your heart and you, when you did choose to do something, you just went, well, I'm just going to give it 110%. And so I'm listening. I just, yeah, really wanted to share that story. And, and I know, um, I guess I thought the best way maybe to share um, your life and um, what you've done would be to sort of go back to one of the first things you told me, which is um, that you did start in nursing and yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and I guess what influenced that choice for you. Oh, well, I guess, um, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> it was a fun meeting. Uh, look, I started nursing. I really fell into it. Back in those days, we didn't have a lot of vocational guidance and I guess I had a lot of family who were involved in nursing, so I fell into it. So I was there for quite a long time and worked in intensive care and the high-stress high areas and management. And I really only moved out of that when I decided to have a family and relocated and started to run a farm and my whole life changed at that point. So, But I did learn very much through that uh, time as a nurse that I really enjoyed helping other people. That's really where it started. Oh, that's amazing. So you yeah you found your love for helping other people and um how long did you do nursing for oh look i had a good 20 years or so in in various different roles and um and then life took over running a farm and having a family and doing all those things as we do that's amazing uh, then i I fell out of it and rolled into many other things And that is such a good segue. So what were the many other things? I know you mentioned studying um, naturopathy. I always struggle with that word, so hopefully I've said that right. Um, and <laughs> I guess, yeah, sort of like what prompted you to make um, the transition after after nursing? 
Well, I guess a few things. I guess through all my years of nursing, you know, seeing hospitals filled with people who are in there with symptoms who are being treated for their symptoms. And it became very evident to me that there is so much prevention that could go on here. And it was something that I wasn't even aware of back in my 20s. And it became more and more evident as I then moved through my life and discovered my own ailment and realised that, gee, there's nothing else we can do here, you know, taking pills or tablets, and that I had to really look at my own state of health and nutrition. And at the time, I was also an athlete. I was a triathlete for a while and a, and a ski racer, raced mountain bikes and did all these wild things. And I very quickly worked out that eating all that chocolate and twisties was not giving me the energy that I needed. <laughs> so put, putting together my knowledge from my medical background and my own personal experience of wanting to be a more powerful athlete, I realised that prevention um, and enabling your body to become the best it could be um, it was was the way to go about it. So it took me down the path of nutrition and understanding that food is our medicine. Yeah. So absolutely. I didn't complete Medicine for the body and the brain as well. And um, what did you find? Did you find there was a big correlation between maybe changing lifestyle habits and how that affected like our mental health, your mental health or other people's mental health? Absolutely. And I think it's something that people talk very much about today. But if we go back sort of 20, 30 years ago, when I was doing a lot of this, there wasn't as much conversation about it. We were very much uh, Western medicine orientated, treating the symptoms. And it was really through my own uh, my own ailments, as I said, you know, skin rashes through stress and 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 other things that popped up and headaches and why is it that I'm feeling these things? Why is it my family members are feeling these things and we're having to take tablets? Is there not a way that we could actually prevent this and, and do it a lot better? And then in your own experimentation and learning, we didn't have the internet back in those early days, you really had to experiment. And out of that, you worked out that the answer was really in how you treated your own body and treated yourself and it's all connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It certainly is. And I think when we have a healthier body and healthier mind, then your mind is thinking better, which is why you are the person you are today and you do have this energy. And I think this zest for life, which is something that I picked up on straight away. And I also um, noted down that you had also worked as an interior designer and developed houses. So I would love to hear how did that come about? Well, that actually came about through lucky opportunities, I guess, in my early married days. Uh, I had a couple of projects and the main one was really moving on to this, this farm that was built in the 1970s and was really a brick veneer piece of concrete with not much garden around it and I was given a clean slate to really do something with that and I guess over the course of uh, 10 years there even though it was a, a fairly difficult 10 years through a difficult marriage but through the course of the 10 years I completely worked together with my husband at the time and completely redeveloped that whole property if you looked at it now it looks like an old 100 year old house and I discovered many hidden talents developed a great love for it uh, including outside landscaping and uh, with the help of many wonderful people. Just I guess it was an opportunity that came to me that made me realise that I had skills that I didn't know that I had 
and which led me to study uh, interior design as well. So then um, I, you know, I did a cert three in interior design, and then the computer software pulled me up there. But amazing, amazing experience to be able to learn and to be able to just create something at that that level. And uh, yeah, it, it opened up a side of my creativity that I didn't even know was there, which just arrived as an opportunity. So I wouldn't have never have guessed it, but loved it. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that you have just, I think, followed also your your gut and your intuition on things as well. You've gone, okay, well, this interests me. I'm going to give that a go. And I think that's um, something that some people don't do. They might have that little inkling or they have that, you know, that interest in something, but they think, you know what? Correct. I can't mm-hmm. do that. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm pretty much. Well, like, that, they often talk. Yeah. <laughs> They, they often talk. They often talk themselves out of it. I mean, we all do that sometimes, don't we? We say, "Oh, it might be a bit hard," or maybe I'm a bit too old for that, or maybe that's out of my league. And that's where we stop ourselves short. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love this next question <laughs> because I find it so interesting, and I cannot wait to hear more about it because. I know that you have worked as a horse trainer and there was this connection that you had with psychology there. And yeah, I'd just love to hear more about that and how I guess that connection happened for you. Well, I guess I fell into that too. Here was another opportunity. I I had horses when I was young and then that was long gone. And then arriving on this farm, somebody gave me a pony for the children. I thought, here I go. I'm back into the horses again. Do I really want this? Before I knew it, a few years later, I had acquired seven horses, a bit of a mixed bag, I might say. And uh, I very much delved into the natural horsemanship, which is all about working to communicate the way horses communicate. And when you understand the way they communicate, then they become your best friend. They're just amazing. And so through having a whole paddock of of beautiful horses, lucky enough to have these, and at that particular time, I I guess my marriage and the state that uh, I was in there with a baby and a toddler was probably my darkest, darkest times. It was a very, uh, very difficult situation that I found myself in that was actually took a very long time to extract myself from for various reasons. And I guess during those days when I remember actually having trouble even just getting up and getting out of bed, it was the horses and the children, I guess, that kept me going. But the horses became my confidence. And I learnt through the gentle training of them, and there was so much to learn, that they mirrored everything that I did. So I understood that the subtleties of just a little bit of eye contact, the way you breathe, the way you hold your shoulders, um, the way you talk, the way you move, comes back through them as your mirror. So horses taught me the negative points about myself. They shut, They showed them up like you wouldn't believe. And they made me soften. They made me look at myself. And they taught me so much. And I thought, well, if a horse can respond by the smallest amount of body language, then what is it we're doing as human beings to each other 
because so much of our communication is not verbal, yet people forget about this. They forget about how they're holding their bodies, the way they look at people, the way they speak, just tiny unconscious movements and the way that is affecting other people around them. So I had books from trainers, I was learning, I was absorbing and these beautiful horses took me on the path of of studying psychology and understanding what I do now, which is just an ongoing journey. So this has been going for about 10 years and they helped me through and I can see why so many people do turn to equine therapy and I highly recommend it as one thing that if anybody gets an opportunity in their life to work with a horse one-on-one because you will learn so much about yourself. That is incredible. I had no idea that horses could teach us that much and yeah, Mm. just what intelligent beings they are but just how much they can teach us in reflecting back on ourselves. That is insane. That's incredible. Mm. That's blowing my mind. Mm. In- incredibly sensitive creatures. So, yes, yes. Wow. A good and- reality. It's a good reality check. I'd go down to the paddock sometimes and might be a bit flustered or in one of those not so good moods, and uh, the horses would be tossing the hay and fluffing around, and I'd think, "Gee, what, what's got into them today?" And then I'd realize it was myself. It was my energy that I was giving out it, I was throwing the hay in the paddock and realised that was not a day to work with the horses and I just would stand and watch them and I wouldn't try and do anything with them. It was not one of my better days. So they taught me that. That is absolutely incredible. I would love to touch, and I know this wasn't a question that we sort of prepared, but I would love to touch more on energy because I know, yeah, we have gestures and how we speak and our tone and our body language, but um you know, our thoughts have energy and the fact the horses were picking up on that so easily, do you mind? Mm. Um, yeah, like I guess I would love to hear if you have anything more to add to that because I just think listeners would love to hear more about um, our energy because it's something that I still feel like I'm learning about but I I do, I love that um I do feel like you can feel it. It's like, you know, it's like when I sat next to you, I could feel that good energy and there's just sometimes you'll be. Likewise. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be, thank you. Or, you know, you'll be at an airport and you'll just go, oh, there's a weird vibe here. Or you'll be next to someone (laughs) on a train and you don't know why. And it really interests me. And it's, I just wonder how do, how do humans have that? How do we, how do we know? <laughs> I might be asking this major question here. But... Well, that, 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 that goes into that very deep um, sort of quantum level of, of, of understanding of, of energy, of the, the energy that exists, what we can see, the, what we can't see, but what exists all around us. And we hear people talk about, well, you know, whatever energy you're in or whatever is going on inside you is the way that you see the world personally. So your reality is really reflecting back what it is that you're feeling inside. I mean, we can all relate to that if you have a particularly bad day or something happens, you get bad news or you're just not in a good headspace and you go off and do your shopping and you're in a rush and everybody's irritating you and you feel frustrated or somebody's a bit short with you and you might get a bit sort of, oh, you know, why are they short with me? And you realise it's yourself. 
because the days when everything's going just perfectly for you, you wake up, you're happy, the sun's shining, everything's lined up, you go out there to do your job or whatever it is you want to do, and suddenly everybody's just wonderful. Yes. Interesting how that happens. So it's often what's going on internally as to what we get mirrored back. And uh, I'm no expert on that, but I've just observed from my own experience and uh, and from what the horse has taught me. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. That's still um, still extra insight and it's, it is so mm-hmm. true. The, if I wake up and I feel like I'm rushing out the door and I haven't even given myself 10 minutes to really drink my coffee, I will find, you know, I'll drop something when I get to work and then I'll spill something on myself and it just seems to spiral. So... It's so true. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. I would love to know more about the, I guess, the type of psychology that you have studied. I know one of them was, um, I think, is strategic psychotherapy. And um, I know yes. you've got many other skills and training under your belt, but I'd love to know a bit more about that. Well, I'm, I'm a strategic psychotherapist and the difference between strategic psychotherapy and perhaps uh, counseling or psychology, like various talk therapies, that they all have their place. They're all very, very important out there in the therapy world, so to speak. What sets me apart is that I, with a, a, being a strategic psychotherapist, is that I focus more on, I guess, the process about how you go about things. It's, it's more about how you do something. So if you came to me and said, Jen, I've suffering terrible anxiety, I'm having panic attacks, I'm not sleeping, I'm lying awake at night, I'm overthinking, I can't stop this train in my head. I would have a look at not so much your past. It's important to acknowledge where we've come from in the past. It does shape where we are today. But at the same time, it's not necessary for me to to dig up the intricacies of the past I'm more interested in how it is that you're actually processing, contributing, creating this anxiety within yourself physically and through your thoughts. So everything we do in life, and if you think of the simplest thing, like brushing your teeth, we all tend to do things. You might make your cup of tea the same way. You might brush your teeth. You do it the same way every day. You get out of bed the same way. You have the same little routines that you do unconsciously. You dry yourself after a shower. You have the same way that you do it. It's all a process and it's all made up of steps. And that also goes into uh, the more complex areas of our life where we have problems Um, and the areas of our life where we have great success. It's about the process that we're using. So it's not about the person, but it's about how they're going about things. So as a strategic psychotherapist, it really is encompassing uh, all the good points of cognitive behavioural therapy with some neuro-linguistic programming. And what I do that is is different on top of that is I use uh, hypnosis and the hypnosis I use is very individualised and personalised. I don't use scripts and it is related to what it is that you need to work on at the time what is it that you're the process that you don't yet understand the skill set that you don't have so this is where I work out I give people skills and strategies in areas where they they lack the correct skills or the not correct the right skills 
to get them out of that problem space. And in using hypnosis with that, which quietens down that analytical part of the mind and it gets to that 95% of us which runs unconsciously and it reaffirms what it is that we talk about, quietens down the chatter and reinforces the learning unconsciously, which is where we need to, to support this. So, yes, it's very much about uh, giving people skills and strategy and it's more shorter terms, so it's not years of, of of conversation and rehashing the same old traumas and the same past and the same problems and trying to understand why, because why is not going to get you any better. So it's the how, a focus on the how you're doing things, how you're contributing and what I can give you to help your life be better from now moving forward. I absolutely love that. And I love that you're, yeah, focused on the how and the moving forward of that and something else that, that just stood out to me and I've just had an absolute blank right now <laughs> with that. Um, <laughs> I think that, oh no, what, what I was going to say is that I feel that, yeah, and having done different types of therapy myself, there's so much focus on the past. And sometimes I've heard a lot of friends mm. say this, it's not just me, I've had a lot of girlfriends say, it just feels pointless. I just go over it, then I leave. I don't really feel better. Correct. I don't give them any tools or strategies or find out why they're doing things a certain way. And sometimes they've turned to, for example, going to a you know a shaman, um, or they will go to a um, I don't know. They even go to like a psychic, just because they feel like they're getting more out of that. And so I really love, yeah, I really love this type of therapy. Mm. And you're not, oh, the other mm. thing I was going to say is you're not keeping someone there forever and ever and ever and ever. You're actually empowering them to go, okay, you don't, you know, we'll have a few sessions and these are the results. And I just find that amazing. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. There, there are other formulas and other tools I use behind it. And um, it uh, it's a very, very effective process for many, many people. And um, even for some people who perhaps need more complex intervention, there is still the ability to change that mindset, that perhaps that mindset that's been stuck or fixed for so long that things can't change, that this is the way I've always been, nothing's worked, nothing's helped. So the ability to change that and to open up and get more curious about life and that just because things have always been a certain way doesn't mean they have to stay that way. And when you learn to believe that, which is what I help people do, then your world begins to open up. I love that. I was going to ask. So that you can tackle new opportunities and new new interests and new explorations and, and whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, and to grow, to grow and do other things in life than because exactly. that's, that's what life's about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, I guess, what would be an example of some of those skills you would teach someone that they might need to learn to create that change, but this may be very varied per person. So if that's a question that's um, probably hard to answer, that's all good. <laughs> well, certain skills, I think, uh, yes, Skills are very individualised. Uh, everyone yeah. has their own unique set of skills, so no, but uh, that they need to learn. Um, 
just to be a better version of themselves, really. But initially, really, the most important thing is understanding that things can be better. It's understanding that there are still things within your control and knowing that distinction between what you can control in your life and what you can't control, accepting that distinction and then understanding that you have way more choice than what you think you have. Yeah. So it's about sort of shifting that belief system in a gentle, creative way that opens people up to possibility and ways of seeing things uh, that they've perhaps never thought about before. I love that. This is such an inspiring chat. <laughs> um, <We> could... <laughs> I feel like I've got 20,000 questions for you. Um, and what's the <laughs> idea that you think, I guess, um, is there a core theme that you see, you know, the majority of people come to you and you feel like, um there's kind of this type of mindset or is it quite varied it's quite varied but one of perhaps one of the most common ones that that we see and we could probably all recognize with in friends or people around us or even within ourselves is that we, we have that belief system within us our own story that says well if i just perhaps had a better or if i had a bigger house or if i had a better job or more money or if so-and-so treated me better, then everything would be better and I'd be happy. So essentially that is, it means that you're, you're reliant on the world around you to make you happy, which means you'll never be happy. Yeah. So when, when you learn the skills to change that mindset about I cannot control how my boss treats me, I can't control how my partner behaves. The best I can do is influence. I can't control so much of what goes on around us. But understanding that you can control your response to that so that you shift yourself back to a position of being in charge where you are making life happen for you instead of waiting for life just to happen to you to see what happens. Um, it's a really powerful shift and this is the shift that you need to make to get forward in your life, to create change that you want to make, to, to make progress, to get yourself unstuck is to understand that you've got to take responsibility for yourself. Even if you don't know how, that's a skill to be learned. Yeah. So yeah. if we're reliant on everyone around us for our own happiness, we're, we're sitting here like the victim and... Our moods go up and down depending on how everyone else behaves around us, but we can never control what goes on around us. The only thing we can control is how we manage that and how we perceive it and how we handle ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's one of the most common things that I see coming through my door, if only. And what a powerful <laughs> shift that is for someone. It's liberating. It's liberating. That. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's liberating. <laughs> and we've, all, we've all been there. You know, I've been there myself when I think back to my times. I thought if only this or if only that, then everything would be okay. But it wasn't until I really learned that process of standing on my own and making my own decisions that uh, and realised I had more choice and more power within myself than I thought, that's where the change started to happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And do you see that change? Um, is it sort of like, um, is it sort of like someone just makes the switch and it's instant or is it more that it takes a while because I guess our brain is sort of what our neurons are wired this certain way and then is it yeah is it sort of like a gradual change and they've got to keep reminding themselves and then it just becomes this habit moving forward after that or well everybody's different and in answer to that some people might have one two sessions with me and some hypnosis and they have completely reformed their lives suddenly they they realize i am in charge and i can do this for some people, perhaps they don't want to let go of that or perhaps they don't, um, they're not comfortable with the idea of um, having to take charge of themselves and that can be a little confronting for some people. So for some people it takes a little bit longer but it's a, it's it can be understood very quickly and reinforced quite quickly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And... Um... I wanted to also ask, um, with your journey, have you had any real role models or influences, um, key influences that have really, really impacted your life? Gosh, look, I, you know what? There are so many. There are so many. But I have to say that, and, and they continue to come to me, and I'm not only talking about uh, influential people that, that I don't know, Uh, authors, uh, people like yourself that I've met that have inspired me just by getting up and doing what it is that you want to do, my own children, my clients, and people I meet every day are the people that inspire me and those that have just pushed pushed ahead through adversity, through understanding that they have to take charge of their situation and that whatever the problem is, whenever you think you can't, there is always a way you can. And numerous people have reinforced that for me in so many different ways and continue to do that. So collectively, they're all my teachers. Oh, I love that. And I know you are such a go-getter and constantly pushing yourself and growing. And I know you love <laughs> music so I would love to touch on what you're doing at the moment as well regarding your music and um, oh. guitar playing and <laughs> well the, the the music is something I fell into as well which is quite interesting I, I I picked up a guitar very late in life I was age 45 and within eight years I was teaching and uh, I had a good round of beginners teaching at a music school and I never thought I would have done that. I joined a couple of bands and then I learned to play the drums and I sang a bit and I learned all these things that I would never, ever have thought I could have done. But there were opportunities and I took them as terrified as I was. And um, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And it's taken a bit of a back seat now, but having said that, I yes, I'm in part of a, I've just joined up with um, a gentleman's blues band. <laughs> That is so, so cool. <laughs> They're called the Shedman. Um, so I'm sort of the old one out. But I have yes recently joined a little blues band and, and we sort of play down the um, peninsula way down here in Victoria. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun, ongoing journey. And 
uh, it's never too late to learn that. <laughs> Definitely not. I cannot wait to see you perform. <laughs> so I, I was I got into my first first rock band when I was fifty years old. So up there with my guitar and 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 loved it and took off from there. So uh, to anyone who's thinking about starting an instrument or picking up an instrument. You don't have to be a maestro. It's the journey and there's always someone that plays better than you, but it's about your own journey and the love of playing music with others and uh, it's never too late for that either. Yeah, absolutely. And I love I love that. So on theme with this whole podcast, which is obviously why I wanted to have you on here. And um, I would love to know, because I love books as well and I'm sure you've had read a lot in your time so are you reading any books at the moment and do you have any book recommendations for anyone listening oh gosh look I'm, I'm always I'm always reading quite a lot and I must admit they're often uh, psychology work related and uh, I guess to touch back on that 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 mind body connection that we we're talking about earlier and the importance of that I I, I have been reading one of uh, Dr Gabo Mate's books that people may have heard of and he's uh, a, a wonderful internationally renowned speaker and author. Uh, he's known for his work on addiction and trauma and childhood development and the relationship of stress and illness. And um, the book talks about the role that stress and emotional makeup play on our bodies and uh, which presents itself in a common array of diseases such as arthritis and cancer and diabetes. And it's fascinating, actually. It's it's full of case studies and um, really just emphasising to people that we, we think we might be coping with things emotionally, but our body will always tell the story. Absolutely. And if, if, if there's any evidence, it's all in this book. It's, it's extraordinary, his, his lifetime's work here that um, re- really reinforces so much that, that to look after your mind, it's, it's still an organ of your body. You've got to look after that as well as any other part of your body or that's going to get sick too and it's it's all connected. So I'm very much into his work at the moment. Yes. Um, and he, he reads very well. But uh, apart from that, so, 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 so many numerous authors. Yes, so many There are so many. Too. I feel the same. I absolutely love Gabamate. I've read um, In Realm of the Hungry Ghost and watched his documentary yeah. on The Wisdom of Trauma. Is the book you're talking about um, The Body Keeps the Score? No, that's another one. Uh, that's uh, no. Th- th- this is uh, when the body says no. Oh, okay, I need to get that one. I need to read yeah. that. I've heard good things mm. as well. So, and again from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah interesting. Amazing. Interesting. Well, we're coming yeah. up to the end, which feels sad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's been great I, talking. I can't wait for people to hear what you've had to say today. And is there anything um, that we haven't covered um, before we do close out? No, look, I guess, you know, really it's just just to summarise everything we've talked about here and anybody listening today, it's really about whatever it is that you want to do in your life, even if it's an inkling, do it, try it, give it a go, take an opportunity because there are so many things that you can find out that you're good at that perhaps you haven't even tried. And if there's a mindset there that says it's too hard or it's too late, then that's just your own story. And to break through that story and to give anything a go is where the freedom and, and the joy of living really, really survives and thrives. So oh, could leave it on that note and, and, and keep exploring life and, and um, 
doing what it is that we need to do to be the best version of ourselves. Absolutely. And how can listeners connect with you and follow your work and continue the conversation after this podcast? Oh, look, I, I uh, work out of rooms here in Middle Park in just uh, Bayside, Melbourne, and um, I can be found through my website, Genesis Psychotherapy, and on Instagram. And uh, in the pipeline, I'm doing a, an interesting collaboration with uh, Calm State Kinesiology, who I share a room with, and we're doing a, um, a physical and mind unconscious balancing uh, program which is sort of up and coming too. It's not on my website yet. But so there's all sorts of good things in, in the pipeline. So, yes, I can be found through uh, through my website there and um, here to help with, with any sort of undue stress and anxiety and phobias and low self-esteem and uh, pretty much any sort of issues that perhaps people just, you know, need to change a bad habit, want to change a bad habit. I love that. And, yeah, I highly, as, as everybody would have heard, we can't highly re- I can't highly recommend you enough, and I know everyone after they hear this podcast <laughs> will know that yeah. anyway. And um, a final question that I will be asking all guests coming on the show is if you had the attention of the whole world for five minutes, what would you say? I think get curious about your life become consciously aware of what you're unconsciously doing and become really, really aware of that quite often there are things that we just think we know that just isn't so. And to just keep exploring, keep exploring, keep an open mind and that you have way more power and control of your own life than you think you do. And often it's just our own stories that hold us back. I love that. That is such a good note to end on. <laughs> good. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Simone. It's been just a pleasure to talk with you. And um, yeah. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to hear, please send me a message on Instagram at Simone A. Turner. Thank you for joining me again on the Not Too Late podcast, reminding you that it's not too late to do that thing.